Why Java actually matters? Right? And mm-hmm. what what is its space and sort of place in the world? Yeah. And Java is a very novel concept, right? It was the first language that was intended to be an open standard from the start, from day one. Its its intent was to be open and to create an ecosystem more than any old technology that competes on competes. Uh, X versus Y, yeah, I'm against something or I'm competing against this guy, I'm better than this guy. That was never the intent of Java. Uh, and, and transitively, that was not, never the intent of Java EE either. You're listening to the Vaadin Insider Podcast, a show aiming to uncover the processes, mental models, and tools that go into building mission-critical enterprise business applications. We interview business and technical stakeholders involved in the enterprise application development lifecycle and share the lessons learned from building business applications that run the global economy. In this episode, we have Reza Rahman. Reza is a principal program manager for Java and Azure at Microsoft. He works to make sure Java developers are first-class citizens at Microsoft and that Microsoft is a first-class citizen of the Java ecosystem. Reza is also the author of the popular book EJB3 in Action and has long been a frequent speaker at Java user groups and conferences worldwide, including Java One and DevOps. We discuss Microsoft's vision to attract Java developers on Azure, the three categories of business applications that enterprises are currently moving to the cloud on Azure, why Java actually matters, and more. If uh, you find this episode interesting, please tweet about it, and guess what? Uh, You might also win some goodies. Enjoy. So so let's start, you know, Java on Azure. So... You know, a Java application, you know, web application needs a cloud to deploy on, and then cloud, you know, hosting providers need applications to be hosted on. So, what is Microsoft Azure strategy to attract Java developers? It's really very simple. So, yeah. there's a couple of different things we're doing. So, obviously, we're we're developing a bunch of services, whatever whatever is necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the basic level, we have the VMs, so the equivalent of Amazon's EC2, right? Yeah. So uh, above and beyond that, we have a bunch of PaaS layer solutions. So we have managed Java SE, mm-hmm. managed Tomcat, uh, mm-hmm. managed Spring Cloud, potentially yep. managed Java EE App Server mm-hmm. very soon. So pretty much all of the common runtimes, managed versions of those. Yeah. And we also have a Kubernetes offering and all the entire Kubernetes suite. And we also have a serverless solution called Functions. But above mm-hmm. and beyond that, we really provide Java bindings for everything that is Microsoft, literally. So that's okay. literally my job. I, I, at Microsoft, I work with like uh, 15 to 30 different teams at any one point in time. They're doing something with Java. Right? They're providing mm-hmm. tooling support for Java for something like VS Code, or they have a library mm-hmm. that does something like AI or something like that. And that has Java support, yeah. uh, Java support in things like SQL Server, you name it. Everything, everything that is Microsoft soft, software these days, you know, there's a Java binding for. So yeah. uh, above and beyond that, we're also uh, getting in the community a little bit. Uh, yeah. I would say cautious steps. So things like the JCP, the Eclipse Foundation, we're yeah. getting in there. 
Yeah. Uh, and obviously we have an advocacy team that are, that's going out there and evangelizing why we're great and so on. Yeah. So it's it really, we're doing everything and anything that uh, people would expect us to do. But I think yeah. it's always open to question, right? It's always open to dialogue as to what uh, the community at large yeah. expects Microsoft to be doing. Right? So I, I think we need a bit of that too. We need the, we need, we need the inbound dialogue, yeah. people engaging uh, with people like myself or people like our advocates to tell us, Hey, this is this is the thing X that we'd like to see from you guys. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I was reading on your blog post. You know, you are actually you have a survey out right now where you are willing to co you know collaborate for uh, you know free proof of concepts for enterprises moving from you know the JE application service to the cloud. Could you tell us a little bit about you know that initiative and you know we have an audience kind of in the same category, so it might be relevant to them too. Sure. So, uh, although my job is end-to-end -end Java on Azure everything, uh, yeah. actually my particular focus area is has to do with my personal background as well. So I have a lot of background in the Java <laughs> E enterprise Java space. So in all honesty, I think if you talk to anybody at, at Microsoft, they'll tell you that we're relatively weak in that area. Right? So we have, we're relatively strong in, for example, things like Spring support uh, mm -hmm. on Azure, right? So we're not that we don't have much of an equivalent footprint in the Java E space, right? And mm -hmm. that's an well-understood and sort of yeah. acknowledged fact. And that's the reason I, it's part of my focus to say, okay, mm -hmm. let's engage the Java E community. Let's engage Java E customers and make sure they have everything that they need. Yeah. So part of that is actually exactly that. So I have a team dedicated to uh, sort of Java E, beefing up Java E support on Azure. Mm -hmm. uh, and as part of that, you know, this is a good opportunity for those initial set of reference customers that want to come to Azure, bring their Java E applications or workload, whether it's WebLogic, WebSphere, mm -hmm. uh, JBoss, CAP, Wallfly, yep. whatever Wallfly. that is, yeah. um, and work with me and my, my team very, very closely yeah. and figure out what are the gaps? What, what is it that you need? Where, what can we improve? What, where are we doing well? What are we doing not so well? Okay. So the survey I've put out there, and I'll, I'll ha be happy to share with you a link afterward. Yeah. You can put in, um, sure in not, your yeah. notes. Yeah. You know, anyone can fill that out. The data comes directly to me. It's all privacy compliant and so on. Yeah. Nobody in sales is going to ever call you. Microsoft sales are ever going to call you unless you want them to. Wonderful. This is just you're interfacing directly, directly with me and my team. So. And all we're doing is we're doing whatever it is that we can, whatever else is needed for a Java E workload to either move to Azure or evaluate and move to Azure. Okay, so, so anyone who is uh, evaluating or already has the technical strategic initiative to move to the cloud, then you know you can help them out with POCs. Yeah, POCs yeah. or just normal production help, whatever it is yeah. needed to make them successful yeah. in Azure. Yeah. Since you know, uh, and thank you for sharing that. You know, you guys are strong on the Spring support side in Java. You guys see that as a you know area to get you know build a community. Typically, so I mean, so far from your experience, what sort of applications do your you know Java community build on Azure? It really cases? runs the gamut. Yeah. Runs the gamut. So uh, we broadly categorize it into most cloud providers will broadly categorize these into two different buckets. Uh, okay. One is called uh, lift and shift. So that's where you have a uh, application running um, on your on-premise installation. Mm -hmm. And you're expecting to mostly move that application as is to the cloud. Right? So these mm -hmm. tend to be actually a lot of Java E applications fall yeah. under this lift and shift category. Mm -hmm. And so those are anything from public facing applications to backends for mobile applications, internal applications. It really runs the gamut. Right? Business applications, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, business applications. 
uh, and so on. AI, big data applications, you know, so those are those fall under one bucket. Yeah. Uh, another bucket is what we call uh, lift, shift, and modernize. So basically, mm. what happens in that case is it's some combination of moving uh, the application the the way it is into the cloud, into the cloud, mm -hmm. and making some tangential changes. Right. So not big changes to the application. For example, using NoSQL instead of RDMS, RDMS or yeah. Using a cloud-based event messaging as opposed to uh, you know in-house on-premise on messaging systems. Right? Okay. So it's a little bit of change, small deltas in on top of a lift and shift. Okay. And there's another category we call essentially cloud-native, and these mm -hmm. are new applications that were basically born on the cloud. born on the cloud. Yep. Yeah, so there, there is it was they were never deployed on-premise, and the only place they were ever deployed is on the cloud. On the, and in yeah. fact, you know, those also run the gamut. Right. So the cloud native applications, uh, you know, they're microservices in some case, monolithic applications in some case, and again, public facing, private facing, mobile backends, mm -hmm. runs, really runs the gamut. Interesting. So when it, when it comes to Java, you know, in the Vaadin community, we have support for Clojure and Scala. Are you, are you primarily focusing on Java for the JVM language or do you also have some other support? So in term, speaking of Microsoft uh, broadly, Okay, yeah. so speaking of Microsoft broadly, we have several key languages that we support, sort of our tier one language, as we call them. Tier one so those, yeah. those are C Sharp mm -hmm. uh, and .NET family of languages, essentially. Yep. Yep. Java, mm -hmm. uh, Python, Node.js. Mm -hmm. Those are those are the, the primary languages. And aside from that, there's other secondary languages we also support. Mm -hmm. uh, not Scala, Scala is not one of them, but Go is an example of, of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for some reason, Scala really hasn't been the case, right? Yeah. It doesn't mean it can't be. Yeah. But those are, so it's a two, two tier languages, but my job is specifically focused on Java. Java, yeah. And there's other people uh, out there that focus on, they have their own language. So there's some equivalent of myself in the Python team and so on. Yeah. And since you know, Vaadin is primarily focused on, on what's happening in the web and progressive web app, Microsoft is, you know, one of the front, front runners there. And, you know, we have, you guys released the second version of pwabuilder.com. I would be curious, you know, so it, it, and it uses Vaadin in the technology stack. So how do you see the future of, you know, Java web apps, uh, this business application on the three categories you, you just shared to be deployed as a progressive web app? Because we are all are now familiar how PWAs actually, you know, have the similar capacity off of a native app and it can help cost, you know, save costs for enterprises. I'd be curious if that's, that's an area, you know, you have got some exposure internally. So there's a couple of, yes. Yeah, so in general, I'm not a UI guy, you know, definitely most of my career has been spent on the back end. Like I yeah. do keep an eye on the UI, mm -hmm. on, on the UI side of things. Yeah. So it's interesting. So UI is, uh, there's a couple of different transitions that have happened, right? And it's pendulum is sort of swinging. Mm -hmm. So it's an unstable, you know, feel right at this Rapidly moment. changing. So, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so, you know, there's the question of whether server side or client side, right? So for yeah. me, it's always been about server-side UIs. Uh, yeah. I'm not a big fan of client-side UIs. That's uh, principally, is, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Principally because I don't, I think those are uh, a little bit harder to render in a mm -hmm. reliable fashion, right? So the server-side UIs, that's where it wins in terms of uh, the server-side rendering uh, offloads a lot of the processing yeah. from the client-side. Right? So they yeah. tend to be, uh, they tend to feel to me at least a little bit more likely. Yeah. Now there's the other debate of, of course, that that you're coming from, and that's whether it's a native mobile or a PWA, which is basically browser-based technologies on 
device devices you know that's yeah. another way of <clears throat> of putting it for those are not were aware of it mm-hmm. yeah again myself you know coming from a java e platform neutral yeah. background you know i've yeah. always for me it's been a friction point right yeah. to, uh, that you have to rewrite you know many different versions of the same application essentially one for yeah. ios one for android, android one for another device mm-hmm. i think it's it's uh, expensive and and difficult to maintain long term especially yeah. if you have a very extensive application mm-hmm. so i think there's an intrinsic appeal to having the pwa approach right because yeah. in that case you're you're leaving the device specific rendering uh, concern to mm-hmm. the framework right? so yeah. you're not specifically do, uh, uh, targeting a particular platform you're developing your business application and you're allowing the framework to take care of the device level details so yeah. that certainly has an appeal right mm-hmm. I, I i i think you know me personally that approach appeals to me better than you know, writing your own thing Monster. for every single Everything. device. Yeah. So that's yet another debate, of course. Uh, and of course, there's a language level debate as well, right? Is yeah. it JavaScript? Is it TypeScript? And so on yeah. and so forth. Yeah. Uh, or is it Java, right? Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you're writing server-side, do you have the, whatever JavaScript or TypeScript, do you just have it generated? Right? Yes. So obviously the Vaadin approach would be the last one. Right? So mm-hmm. you, you would write in Java and, you know, basically render in, uh, JavaScript yeah. or TypeScript? What, what is it that you render in? Is it JavaScript? It's uh, actually, so it's uh, TypeScript. Actually, I'm not the right person to answer this question. So I know I want to make sure that historically until Valin 14, it was write your server, you know, code in Java. We provide the Java APIs, you know, and then it'll render. Actually, since we use web components, you know, it's sort of pure web components, web standards. So, you know, Polymer lit on the front end. With Valin 15 onwards, now the client side is TypeScript. And then, you know, back in is Java. So you can do both write your server-side UIs in Java or, you know, write client-side if you need the, the scale, you know, for your some of your views. So so that's sure. where we're headed. Yeah. Yeah. So it's difficult to tell, to be honest, you know, where, where all this is going to go. It's an interesting space uh, with a lot of interesting questions and interesting answers, right? Yeah. Uh, I think certainly me personally, if I, if I was to do it, I'd still do a server-side UI. I'd still try to take the PWA approach. You know, I'd like to... Ideally, stick to as much writing as as much yeah. Java code as I could, and that fits in, you know, basically what you guys are doing. Yeah. So it sounds like so since you do have you know visibility over fifteen twenty teams, uh, and these are Java folks. Uh, not sure how much of you know UI those guys have to deal with, but have you come across like what sort of front end frameworks is common within your team? For those uh, to be honest, to be completely honest with you, for lift and shift cases, we have a lot of uh, sort of old Spring MVC struts. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. JSF, JSP, JSF. Yep. Yeah, uh, Vaadin tends to be rarer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not as 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 commonplace. Yeah. At this moment, you know, on the client side space, it's a lot of Angular. Angular tends to be the slightly older applications. Uh, yeah. They tend to be uh, written in Angular and uh, React and Vue. Yeah. Uh, those are the things that we usually see. Uh, yeah. for, for most applications. So it pretty much sounds like developers have full autonomy to choose whatever framework they want. Right, for the most part. I mean, that, that's yeah. the objective, right? You, yeah. you don't want to be dictating uh, what what people want to use. But uh, yeah. basically what we see is mostly mirroring what you would see in a, on a larger scale industry survey. Yeah. And if you see those, you know, th- those are basically the trends that yeah. you see. Now, it doesn't mean that something like Vaadin doesn't have a space, right? Clearly, yeah, yeah. You, you guys have your own fan base. 
yeah. uh, and your own uh, customer base that, uh, yeah. that that's, finds your solution compelling. Yeah, I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's, you know, what's the best use case fit, both from a technical and a business standpoint, and you know, that's how you make a decision. Uh, I was wondering if you could, uh, this is more of like a data question. So lift and shift, uh, lift, shift and modernize, cloud native. Do you have like a rough ballpark range? What percentage of your customers fall under each bucket? That's a tough one. So uh, remember, Microsoft is an old company, right? So, you know, it's got a lot, it's got 20, 20, 25 years of history behind it. So that means you carry some amount of legacy in your customer base, right? Uh, You can't just leave your existing customers and And say, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm going to find new customers who cares about these guys. You can't do that. So what that means is uh, for this type of business, lift and shift is going to be always going to be probably the predominant business model. Right? So you can have to take care of older technologies, people that are not wanting to make big changes mm-hmm. uh, to their applications, mission critical applications that cannot really be changed that much. Yeah. So uh, I would say if I were to give a ballpark, uh, probably more than 50% is uh, actually and lift and shift. Right? Yeah. These are older applications that are just moving to the cloud, mostly as is. Um, yeah. I would say another 25% is probably lift, shift and modernize. So they're changing some things, but yeah. not uh, huge changes, and probably another twenty-five percent is uh, sort of cloud native. Yeah, brand new applications. I mean, it makes sense. Lift and ship. Nobody wants to do a big bang because it's a business critical application, you know, operation side, and so that's more of a phase migration. And the lift, shift, and modernize sounds like more of a reengineering and you know using the modern stack. Cloud native, of course, one in the cloud. Very interesting. What's uh, so? What's what has been Microsoft's strategy for your lift and shift uh, category? You know, fifty percent, which is makes sense from a you know from a business standpoint. But we also know technical debt that they might have amassed. What has been the strategy to educate that group of customer base to help them, you know, confidently move to the cloud and and being you know, fully yeah. Okay. So if I'm going to be perfectly honest, we are a lot stronger about that type of mentoring in the, our traditional technology stack yeah, as Microsoft, right? So our fields tend, we, we tend to have a lot of uh, technical depth in, in our field with, for example, the .NET stack, right? So they're pretty good about saying, okay, you know, you're running .NET version so-and-so when you're moving to the cloud, okay, we'll yeah. help you move in with whatever version you have, but yeah. Um, you have the option of moving to this. This is a newer technology set you could be using, so on. Yeah. We we are obviously trying to do the same thing in our team, right? For for the Java yeah. e end of things, we're trying to do the same thing with the Spring folks. Okay, uh, you're running Spring 3.0, great. We'll welcome. You know, we'll move you to Azure on probably Tomcat, and then you know you can refactor to maybe to Spring Boot, and you know think about adopting Spring Cloud services. Think about uh, adopting AKS, Kubernetes, as opposed to running everything on VMs. So yeah, we our field is always providing that level of guidance. It depends on obviously the particular person in the field. Yeah. We try to provide um, that type of guidance as well. But at the end of the day, we we are we do pride ourselves in being a customer-driven company. So while we guide the customers, we don't lead them. Right? Yeah. So, uh, we follow whatever the customer decision at the end of the day is, right? Yeah, so, yeah. you know, however we may want them to move to, uh, you know, Kubernetes or serverless, you know, yeah. if the customer, that's not the right decision for them. Yeah. And the right decision for them is to run a five-year-old on five-year-old version of Red Hat Linux. Yeah. That's what we're, that's what they're, we're there to make them successful with, right? Yeah. Sounds like more of a collaborative discussion and making sure, you know, they're able to make the right decision for the business instead of just 
pushing the latest modern stack. Right. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Um, well, I have uh, run out of questions, uh, but I, I would really, you know, want you, I mean, since your focus is Java and Azure and, you know, the audience is primarily Java, Java, you know, ecosystem folks involved there, what are some other interesting, you know, work that your team is doing that you think, you know, the audience might be interested? There's a number of interesting things that are going on. So the top interesting things is obviously the, the work that we're, the very beginning sort of work that we're doing with the Java E community, right? So uh, the opportunity, I don't think there's any other team at the moment, I can say that have the, that level of engagement, right? Where Microsoft, people in the Microsoft engineering and, and program management like myself are going to get directly engaged with the customer, right? Mm -hmm. to, yeah. uh, to directly understand what their, what their problem is and what they're dealing with and help them uh, make them successful on Azure. In fact, I doubt uh, any other cloud even has that type, that type of focus geared towards the Java, Java, e, Java e. geared towards Java e customers. In particular, yeah. we're doing similarly interesting work in the Spring ecosystem. So, for example, we have our Spring managed cloud. Right, nobody mm -hmm. else, no other cloud has that. Right? So, yeah. Amazon doesn't have it. GCP does not have it. We are the yeah. only ones that uh, offer a managed solution for Spring Cloud. Right, that's mm -hmm. a pretty strong statement, and I think it's 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 also interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so those would be top of mind, the, uh, the most interesting, but frankly, at the lower level, we're doing interesting work at pretty much every level. So VS Code Java is an interesting area. Mm -hmm. uh, all of the uh, language bindings that we're doing for all of our services, so things like NoSQL bindings, events, our serverless platform, which is our Azure Functions. Mm -hmm. uh, in every area, we're innovating and doing more than most other competitors are. Yeah. Or, or at least uh, most of our major competitors are mm -hmm. uh, specifically targeting the Java space. Yeah. You know, I, I see in your, in your bio, you're a hardcore, you know, Jakarta e evangelist too. So is that a focus area too for community? Absolutely. So we are, we, we are in, certainly involved in the Eclipse Foundation. Right? Mm -hmm. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, we are at least at the moment there, we are present. Mm -hmm. uh, we're not in the middle of the party quite yet, right? Okay. So we're, uh, I am personally, yeah. So I, yeah. I, I personally spend a lot of time um, tracking yeah. and trying to contribute to Jakarta E. Yeah. Uh, Microsoft as a company, we're still uh, at least somewhat in wait and see mode, right? We yeah. want to see uh, what happens with Jakarta Java E9 e. Uh. and we want to see, uh, you know, what kind of uh, roadmap there is for Jakarta E10. Mm -hmm. We want to see a stronger levels of commitment from the existing players mm -hmm. before yeah. we as a company would get involved, right? But yeah. in the meanwhile, I'm certainly as invested as I always have been uh, yeah. in, uh, individually. Yeah. And, and I'm actually, I was, when I was researching, I learned about Jakarta E and I learned from, you know, Mati, who is one of our, you know, folks similar in your shoes. He said, Vadin 8 has support for Jakarta E. I'm personally very new to this topic. What is it, you know? Java E community is huge. With Jakarta E, what is that you know that excites you about that community? And you know personally, what excites me is the promise. So I've been working uh, with the Java E as a technology even inside the J JCP mm -hmm. for almost fifteen years now. So yeah. while I, I have always been a believer in the openness of the JCP, the reality was JCP at the end of the day was an Oracle and is still mm -hmm. an Oracle controlled entity. Right? It yeah. is not a there is no JCP dot, dot organization, Org, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. there, there is no separate uh, legal entity that uh, at the end of the day, JCP is a department of Oracle. Mm -hmm. So that is a difficult position for something that is positioned to be an open standard. Open standard right? yeah. so, uh, so 
The biggest thing that I find exciting is the fact that it, we were able to finally realize a big dream, which was moving a big part of the Java APIs, which is server-side Java, mm -hmm. including from Servlet to JPA to JMS, you, you name it, all of these APIs to an, a truly uh, open forum yeah. in the Eclipse Foundation, which is an independent entity, right? So to me, that's huge. And it's an opportunity that we should all be thinking about. Every single player in the Java ecosystem, every Java developer should be thinking about how do we make that a success, right? Because uh, Java becoming truly open source and truly community oriented, right? Yeah. That's something that will uh, increase the longevity of it by uh, probably tens of years. Yeah. Right? So that is, I would say, the and beyond any any other technical detail, that's the thing that interests me the most, and that's why I think. Java developers should also be invested in it, in the success of that initiative. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, kind of similar to that topic, Oracle, you know, licensed to Java, J-E-E. -E. How are you guys navigating, helping your customers, you know, to navigate this whole legal boundaries around how to use Java licensing, open source versus so commercial? It's, it's, yeah, so it's no longer an issue for Java E, right? So because Java, Jakarta E is now completely open source. It's mm -hmm. not licensed by anyone. Mm -hmm. um, if you were to want, if you were to use, want to use a, uh, a, a Java E, Jakarta E technology, and you wanted to run the TCK on it, make it, do an implementation, do a contribution, all of that is in the open, and in, in many cases free. Yeah. Right? So, if, uh, for example, if you guys then wanted to get interested, uh, do make some change to the serv Jakarta Servlet API, mm -hmm. you can go ahead and do that. Yeah. If you wanted uh, uh, to certify some aspect of some aspect of Jakarta APIs, let's say WebSocket, you could do that right? yeah. uh, without paying anybody anything really. Yeah. So, so for Java, for Jakarta E and Java E, that problem is solved. Okay. Now, in terms of Java SE licensing, Java SE uh, licensing, yeah, okay. So that obviously continues to uh, be in the JCP. So the way we handle this is, at least today, we sort of offload the problem to a partner, namely Azul Systems. Right, so basically our officially supported Java SE version on Azure is, is Zulu. So what that Zulu. means is if you are a, a Azure customer, mm -hmm. you get free commercial support for Zulu indefinitely, forever, mm. right? So okay. all you do is you pay for your Azure subscription and then you, you get access to a commercially supported JDK mm. yeah. any, any which way you want, want to use as long mm -hmm. as you're using Azure, you know, through uh, Azul Systems and Zulu, mm -hmm. right? So that's been our, our answer so far, right? Yeah. As to what, what, what we are saying to our customers is okay. Yeah. It doesn't matter to you because you get it for free. You're getting offloaded, but yeah. Yeah, you get it for free basically, yeah. Interesting. Well, I have a lot of, you know, relevant question in this field, but I had some rapid fire question if you'd be up for it. I'm, I'm up for it, yeah, what's up? <laughs> what's your favorite US national park? Uh, Yosemite. Sure. Similarly, yeah, okay, and I, I also like King Kings Canyon. That's in Utah. Yeah, I, I saw in your bio, I mean, in your blog, I think you have Grand Canyon at the backdrop. The Grand, Grand Canyon. Canyon, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's not the favorite, honestly. Grand Canyon <laughs> is more of a touristy park. I like yeah. a little bit more of the like sort of. A, although Yosemite is is pretty crowded, also, but Kings yeah. Canyon, all the parks in Utah, those are pretty empty usually. Yeah, yeah they're, okay. they're more they're more backcountry hiking. More for when you want your solitude space. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was, uh, and so, okay, this is the next one. For personal development, if you were coding, what would you, what's your preferred ID? IntelliJ, Eclipse, or VS Code? 
or something else. Okay, so I really struggle between Eclipse and NetBeans. So I've been a NetBeans yes. fan for a very, very long time. Yeah. But I've also, in my day job, used Eclipse quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And so at any given point in time, if somebody really asked me, pick one of the two, I'd have a hard time picking. Right? Yeah. So it's it's almost a toss-up. Between those two. Yeah. Uh, IntelliJ, I've, I use every now and then. I don't have anything against it per se. It's just, yeah. I'm not used to it. I, yeah. I have no reason to uh, think beyond the yeah. and Yeah. Interesting. I was uh, going through your Twitter. I saw you were re- uh, reflecting this week about, you know, while we get lost in the grind, we should look at the forest. I was wondering, you know, if that was something, you know, a particular incidence or, you know, just reflecting if you wanted to, if you don't mind me asking. I'll, I'll explain to you. And, and that's a good question. So Cameron Purdy, do you know him? No. Uh, he's probably a little bit beyond before your time. So uh, Cameron yeah. Purdy used to be my boss. He was the uh, CEO for Tango Salt. He mm-hmm. was he was my SVP at Oracle for a very long time. And actually, that's the guy that uh, told me, "Hey, Oracle is not, not a scary place. Come join us and help uh, drive Java E for a while." <laughs> Wonderful. So, uh, so I'm a, I'm a fan of of of, of Cameron, and I, yeah. I love his insights. He's he's not very uh, active anymore. He used to be very active. So I tweet I saw a tweet from uh, Cameron this morning yeah. about the roots of Java, right? Why Java actually matters, right? And mm-hmm. what, what is its space and sort of place in the world? Yeah. And Java is a very novel concept, right? It was the first language that was intended to be an open standard from the start, from day one. Its, its intent was to be open and to create an ecosystem more than any old technology that competes on, competes uh, X versus Y, I'm against something or I'm competing against this guy, I'm better than this guy. That was never the intent of Java. Uh, and, and transitively, that was not, never the intent of Java EE either. Mm-hmm. The intent of these technologies is actually to create an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And that is often lost. That point is often lost in people that have not been in the Java ecosystem from the very beginning. Yeah. But that is the, the fight that people like Cameron, and it's not a fight, it's a struggle. It's a, it's a struggle that we've been, we've been engaged in for a better part of 15, 20 years, right? That's yeah. at the end of the day we're, what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And that is the reason I joined Microsoft also, right? Yeah. So uh, if you really look back at the roots, yeah. the thing that gave rise to the JCP was a fear of Microsoft dominance. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's, uh, it's, uh, it, it's an interesting place that I'm in today because here I am working for Microsoft, working on Java, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and trying to yeah. make Microsoft a, a, a serious player Java. Mm-hmm. Right? In, in, in a place like Java. So yeah. in the shuffle, it's always easy to forget <laughs> that, right? So you always forget, oh, this customer needs this thing. I better go talk to XYZ, make sure this feature is implemented. And that's... Yeah becomes a daily grind. But I, when I saw that tweet from Cameron, it reminded me, okay, why am I doing any of this stuff? Yeah, start with why, yeah. 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 Now this is beautiful. And actually fight is not the wrong word because I joined Vaad and kind of with a similar, you know, inspiration by hearing Jonas's story, our founder. Vaadin's, you know, mission is, uh, the tagline is fighting for simplicity. And the story he said to me was 20 years ago when he started, you know, there was no, you know, full stack web framework. and developers were dealing with so much, you know, unnecessary stuff they had to do to make the, you know, the UI work in different browsers and all of that. So why not just take care of that and let the developers focus on user experience and building an application that their end users love. 
and you know, and it's not about us fighting with Angular on React or Vue, but it's about what is the best thing for the best developer experience to build enterprise business application that creates the best user experience. Because in the end, you know, user experience we are seeing now with Airbnb Uber, it's a competitive advantage. Right. So, that that has to be it at the end of the day. I mean, I, I think it's, uh, I don't honestly know how people that uh, are very self-centered and only think about me, my, my, me, my, and myself, how do they actually operate on a day-to-day -day basis? To me, it seems yeah. rather depressing. Yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, it has to be more than us versus them. It has to be about we, we and, uh, and the we being at the end of the day, the end user, right? We're and, here to yeah. serve a broader purpose. Yeah, right? yeah. It's, it's, it's not about us. It's yeah. about uh, how, what do we do for others? Yeah. Well, uh, Reza, this was wonderful. Thank you again. And that's a wrap up for this episode. If you're interested to be a guest in the show or you have topics you would like to learn more about related to enterprise application development, find us at wadin.com slash podcast. Thank you.